This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scala. This segment is all about debt management plans, the pros and the cons to consider. And Blair's going to walk us through comparing the pros and the cons of five different strategies to help you get out of debt. Dealing with debt can feel pretty frustrating. Everyone knows that. But the truth is that debt is often the problem, like many others, that it does have solutions. And so Blair's going to walk us through those common debt solutions available to you and me, as well as some key points highlighting the pros and cons of each. So, Blair, how would you categorize the different types of debt management plans available to us out there? Well, I'd say there's three main ways you can try to get out of debt. There's what we'll call the do-it-yourself debt repayment plans, and we'll talk about options under there. There's informal debt repayment plans, and then there's formal debt management and debt relief solutions. And a lot of people are unsure what to look for, what to consider, or even where to start when they need to think about how they're going to manage their debt. But you're not alone in navigating these situations. Um, Everyday licensed insolvency trustees sit down with, with potential clients and they take them through all of the suite of options. We're going to go through five options today in a fair amount of detail to cover really all three of these, these different types of debt relief options. A lot of people have different ways they can try to move forward, but there is often you know one solution that really stands out as the best fit for them, and a trustee is going to help you figure that out. Cool. So what's the first one we're going to talk about? Yeah, so let's talk about under the do-it-yourself plan um, is paying off your debt in full. So we never want to discount that because sometimes if someone comes in, uh, the debt is relatively manageable. They've got some money they can do they can use to pay down the debt. What they need is just some informal coaching. So what you'd need is a balanced personal budget, the ability to stick to it, and you might not need any more help than that. Uh, in some cases, you can informally negotiate with your lenders to get reduced interest rates on your accounts. Make sure you understand understand if there's going to be any impact to your credit. But if you're paying all the debt back in full, your creditors agree to give you a slight break on the interest, you know, that might be a pretty good option if you're able to do so. The downsides of paying all your debt back in full is, well, you just might not be able to do it. You know, it might be very difficult for you to pay substantially more than your minimum monthly payments. And if you're not doing a whole lot more than your minimum monthly payments, you're going to be in debt for a very long time. You may never see that zero balance on your debts. Um, And then sometimes if you've got a budget that doesn't allow you to make any savings whatsoever, you could be vulnerable if there's any significant external thing that happens, uh, any upset to your budget, it might set you back significantly and take you off of that plan to pay back your debt. So paying off your debt in full, uh, it's one of those do-it-yourself strategies can be good, but also can, can be quite difficult to accomplish. What about those consolidation loans that we hear so much about these days? Yeah, a consolidation loan sounds great. And what a consolidation loan means is that you have one payment, you put all of your debt together. Uh, it's usually at a lower interest rate than you'd be paying on all the individual debts. And you've got some simplicity because you're not juggling multiple debts and payment due dates anymore. 
Uh, the challenge with consolidation loans is they're often very difficult to qualify for. So a lot of people that come in to see us, they say, well, you weren't my first stop. I went to the bank first and I tried to consolidate. And they said, you know, unless I was willing to pledge an asset, you know, like my car, for example, uh, or maybe some investments, whatever it was, or to get a co-signer, they weren't willing to do anything for me. Uh, and both of those things can be very risky, especially getting a co-signer that can be just adding a whole other level of emotional responsibility to a debt that can really reduce your flexibility in the future. So you want to talk in detail with a trustee before you get a consolidation loan if they are requiring you to pledge assets uh, or to get a co-signer. Um, the other potential challenge with a consolidation loan is you have to repay all your debts in full plus interest, and the interest might be lower, but it still might mean your payments, even with the lower interest rate, can be difficult to afford, and carrying that debt can still be expensive. Okay. And I just want to throw in an opportunity here, that whole co-signing idea, you are not a fan of that. No. When is it wise? What do we say? Almost never. Uh, the amount of folks I've sat down with that said, you know, I didn't think the co-signer would actually be fully responsible. I'm like, well, yeah, that, that's why the bank wants them to sign. And then I'm trying to help somebody reduce their debt in a consumer proposal, but their mom or dad or brother or sister or spouse would still be responsible to pay the debt, even if we reduce it for the individual. So it just really adds another layer of complexity. It's almost never a good idea. Yeah, thanks for throwing that in. Have you got any other a few tips to of uh, for success that we before we move on to the next category? Yeah, one of the most important things on a consolidation loan is if you do, if you are able to consolidate your debt, you really have to stop using those other credit cards. So whether you throw them away, put them in the freezer, chop them up, or whatever. But I've seen so many examples where someone comes in, they've got their credit cards. And they've got this consolidation loan that was originally taken out for these credit cards. The cards all went to zero, but then because they didn't adjust their budget, they started to use credit again. And now they've got double the debt problem that they had before. So you have to be disciplined. And it means the consolidation has to be affordable for you. If it's going to ca cause you to rely on credit just to live, well, that's not a good long-term strategy at all. Okay. I want to throw in the phone number for Sands & Associates offices all over British Columbia. It's a 1-800 number, 661-3030. Their website is great, filled with lots of good information for you, sands-trustee.com. And you can also make an appointment at one of the offices through the website as well. So let's talk about that informal debt repayment plan. Yeah, there's a couple of different types of informal debt agents that operate, and they're not all created equal. So some come with some significant buyer beware disclaimers. Uh, a couple of the most common informal debt repayment options are to use a credit counseling service. So if you have a small amount of debt, you might be able to simplify your finances with a credit counselor that could potentially consolidate your eligible debts into an informal credit counseling plan, which would require monthly payments of up to five years. What happens when you work with a credit counselor is if creditors agree to be part of the plan, and not all creditors do, for example, government will never be part of this plan, you pay off all of your debt, but certain creditors might agree not to charge you any further interest. Um, the advantages here is obviously you save on the interest and it's much easier to qualify for a credit counseling plan than to get a consolidation loan and you won't need a cosign or you won't need to pledge assets as security. And then the best credit counselors, again, not all are bad, not all are good. You just have to be careful, but the best ones will provide educational resources and money management workshops as part of the process to try to give you some really good tools to move forward. 
The downside of using a credit counseling plan is because it's informal, uh, creditors can opt in or out of that at any point, and some creditors will decide, well, we just don't work with credit counselors at all, and as I mentioned, government debts will never be included in a credit counseling plan. So an income tax debt, a student loan, a CERB overpayment, that just can't be dealt with at all informally. Uh, You will have to pay some fees, so you're paying back all the debt in full plus some fees on top of it, even if it's a not-for-profit credit counseling society, um, you will still be charged some fees to use their service. And then you need to understand too, there can be some conflicts of interest or conflicts of objectives because most credit counselors, especially not-for-profits, are heavily bank funded and some are even registered as collection agents. So you need to understand the objective of the person who's giving you advice might be to get you to pay back all the debt in full, whereas you might have a better option out there, but they won't tell you about that because a lot of their funding comes from the banks and their mandate is to just get as much of that money back as possible. Uh, One of the more risky informal uh, type of agent is called a debt settlement agent. And the way a debt settlement agent works is they try to negotiate a one-time repayment for just a portion of the debt. So maybe it's, you know, half of the debt outstanding with a lump sum payment six months from now, but it's exceptionally risky to work with a debt settlement agent. Uh, It's really not highly regulated. Oftentimes there are upfront fees and their fees get charged regardless of success or not. And you have to be careful about the advertising. Sometimes things are promised that just aren't delivered. So for the most part, people that try debt settlement, um, they get frozen in the stage of, okay, I'm going to accumulate that lump sum payment. And all the time, they're just paying fees and getting harassed by their creditors. So it's a very risky strategy, but it is somebody else that's out there. Do you want to mention the other cautions that you have about credit counseling? Because I think they're important too. Well, you need to understand that because it's an informal type of a remedy, um, anybody can call themselves a credit counselor. So you really want to take a look closely at the agency, how reputable are they, how long have they been around, look at reviews. But also you need to understand even the most reputable and established credit counselors cannot offer you any protection from your creditors and they can't compel your creditors to accept their services or your offer. So this is quite different than working with a trustee. As we've talked in the past, if you do a proposal, we just need a majority of your creditors to agree and everybody else is legally bound by it. On a credit counseling plan, every creditor must agree and they could opt out at any time. There's really no law that protects you when you're dealing informally. Okay. Now the next one, the formal debt management uh, plan is the one or the two that only a licensed insolvency trustee in this fine country of ours can facilitate for you. And I think that's really important uh, to make note of. Nobody else can do this work for you. And let's talk about, let's talk about the two, the two uh, plans that we could use. Exactly. So if you're going to use a formal debt debt resolution option, only an LIT, a licensed insolvency trustee can help you. And an LIT is all that you need. You don't need an agent, an advisor, any middleman, anything like that. An LIT can help you with making a consumer proposal where you consolidate all of your debt, reduce it down to what you can afford, and you don't pay a dollar of additional fees on top of that. So the government sets out a tariff that allows trustees to keep a portion of your monthly payment, essentially 
essentially it's forcing the creditors to pay the cost of your proposal. So as you go through with an LIT, it's a formal process. It's legally supervised. There is a dispute resolution process and it costs you nothing, at least with Sands and Associates, nothing for a free consultation, nothing to prepare a proposal. Um, and in general, people pay significantly less in a proposal than they would pay under any other debt resolution option. Uh, the downside of doing a consumer proposal is, of course, anytime you don't pay your debt back in full, your credit takes a hit, but it's not exceptionally severe. And most of the times, within a year of you paying off your proposal, that credit rating impact is gone. It never appears there again. It's like it never happened, and you avoided a bankruptcy. Uh, just in our last few minutes here, or a few seconds here, um, the other formal debt resolution option that a, a trustee can offer is a personal bankruptcy. That's always the last resort if a proposal isn't possible because the debts are too high or the income is too low that even partial payment doesn't work. A bankruptcy does get you back to owing nobody anything. It gets you back to a fresh start and it releases all the debt stress that you might be feeling and dealing with debt that you just can't pay back. And I want to throw in uh, this point as well, is that you may think personal bankruptcy is the only option that you have. And I know Blair has talked numerous times about the folks are surprised. It's like, oh, no, I could do a consumer proposal, which, again, it's a, it's a different breed altogether than a personal bankruptcy. And uh, it may be the best solution for you. And the only way to find that out is to sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee at Sands & Associates. They have offices all over British Columbia. And this is an opportunity for you to sit down, learn, understand, compare, and choose the best debt option for you. The phone number, 1-800-661-3030. Their website, sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. I want to mention the website as well, sands-trustee.com. This segment is, what are my debt relief options if I've been bankrupt before? And this is interesting because you're not alone, from what I understand, from reading a little bit about this segment and what it entails, that you aren't alone. There are people who have gone through this before. And uh, Sands has some very solid data on how this can happen more than once and then how they help you through it and the particulars about it too. So Blair, can you start by talking a bit about the common challenges or situations that can trigger a debt problem? And are there similar scenarios that that you run into amongst folks that you're working with. Yeah. So one thing I've learned from being a trustee for about 15 years now is a money problem can happen to anybody at any time. And it can often be someone that's doing all the right things, but then there's just significant matters outside of their immediate control that can really put them in a tough financial situation. So every year we study our client base. We ask some really detailed survey questions. Uh, in the most recent study for 2022, uh, the top four out of five causes of debt uh, were what we'd consider outside of an individual control and they were uh, using credit for essential costs of living that income couldn't cover so things just got too expensive and wages didn't keep pace that's one in five people that come to see us for debt help um, the other three of the of the main causes are very clearly outside of someone's control so illness 
injury or health related problems. Yes, your health care might be covered, but what about your income when you have to take time off work? What about expenses for therapies that aren't covered? A medical ex- expense or a medical incident can really set somebody back financially. Uh, marital or relationship breakdown, this is quite intuitive. Uh, Breaking down a relationship can be very emotionally traumatic, but it can also be very tough on your finances. Cost to reestablish two single households, um, cost if there's lawyer fees or custody battles or things in play there. And then finally, uh, job-related, a job loss, a layoff, a reduction in income. So we saw during the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of folks that would clearly be working as hard as they possibly could just didn't have any option of doing that. They had their income interrupted, sometimes for months on end, uh, and that put them really behind on on what they needed to do. It's only about one in four people that we work with really identify that, okay, they mismanaged. They said they had an overextension of credit. They had some general financial mismanagement. Management. For the most part, for four out of five people, it's those causes that I've just went through above. And sometimes there's some other ones a little bit outside of the top five, but things like your spousal income had decreased. There's suddenly a lot more money coming into the household. Um, sometimes there's a dependent that needs extra support. That's often elderly parents these days, or sometimes it's elderly parents who are taking care of adult children uh, who've had income interrupted or some health issues. And then finally, there can be some business failure. Um, of all the folks that go through a bankruptcy or a proposal, as you mentioned, Elaine, there are some people that have to use this remedy more than once. And sometimes it can be for completely different reasons. The most recent statistics from my regulator, the superintendent of bankruptcy, said that in 2021, about 21% of consumers who filed bankruptcy or made a consumer proposal had filed a previous bankruptcy before that second time. Wow. That's quite significant, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. It is. And, you know, in some cases, you know, it was a a bankruptcy in the late 70s or early 80s because interest rates were crazy. um, And now the person is retired and having health concerns. So it can be some very different circumstances. uh, But certainly there are a proportion of people that have to use the system more than once. Um, And again, the system is is designed to allow for that. We're going to talk a bit more about that. Yeah. So what are some of the signs that you that, that's very clear that it's time for you to sit down with a uh, licensed insolvency trustee? Uh, what are those signs, Blair, and how can they help? Well, it can be difficult to know that you really need help. And sometimes even if you've been through a previous bankruptcy, the warning signs the second time around might be completely different. The first one might be completely a real estate driven. Uh, the second one might be a health issue. But there are a couple things that really hold true um, that when you're in a money problem, um, it really can be all consuming. So the idea of overwhelming stress, of constantly thinking about your debt, um, in today's day and age, only making minimum payments on your credit cards, that's quite a big warning sign. Um, Even just a few thousand dollars of debt can be decades to pay off just at minimum payments. Uh, If you're relying on credit to make up the gap between your household income and your monthly living expenses every month, a little bit more goes on to the debt and nothing is getting paid down. Um, Sometimes if you've been reaching out for a consolidation loan, you've been turned down, um, that's a big warning sign that, okay, you know, things are probably not good if you're seeking to consolidate your debt and the lender is saying, well, you know, that's a little bit too risky. And there's some pretty obvious ones, either threats or maybe already occurring collections, 
court actions, wage seizures, or account balance seizures. Uh, the simple way to say it is if you think you have a debt problem, if it's really on your mind, you probably do. You'd probably really benefit from getting some advice. It's certainly not a foregone conclusion that if you filed bankruptcy once, you have to do that again. For the vast majority of cases, they're able to avoid a second bankruptcy. But as with everything, if you reach out early enough, you have more options than if you reach out at the 11th hour. Now, if you're one of those people that, that Blair literally uh, sort of mentioned, if you think you have a debt problem, you likely do. This is the phone number, 1-800-661-3030, to reach out from somebody at Sands & Associates. And it's not about you knowing, going in the door, this is what I have to do, I have to file for bankruptcy, or I have to do a consumer proposal. It's It can be, this is my situation, what do you think? Is there? Have you got some options for me? Can you assist me in some way, support me in some way? This is the kind of people that you're dealing with at Sands & Associates. So, Blair, let's talk. Oh, I want to mention the phone number again, 1-800-661-3030 or their website, sands-trustee.com. So can you talk a little bit about how a second bankruptcy would work for folks? Well, certainly. So in Canada, the bankruptcy proceeding, it's pretty private. Uh, it's quite straightforward. And in most cases, people keep all of their assets. So what happens when you file for bankruptcy is you get forgiveness for virtually all of your debts. So it includes credit cards, overdrafts, amounts owing to the government for tax debt, uh, even ICBC debt, payday loans, student loans, essentially you name it, uh, everything outside of you know child support, spousal support, all other debts can be included in a bankruptcy. What happens when you're in the bankruptcy proceeding is you're protected. Your assets and your income that might be vulnerable to creditors outside of a bankruptcy, all of those things gain protection while you're under the supervision of a trustee. Uh, you stop the debt stress and you really focus on getting a financial fresh start from the never-ending debt payments. Uh, what happens when you're in a bankruptcy, you have to complete a few main duties. Now, the, the most important ones are every month you're in a bankruptcy, you complete a monthly budget. You have to submit to the trustee to show how much income is coming into the household and where that money's going. So part of bankruptcy is financial rehabilitation. One of the best tools is just to do monthly budgeting that you have to attest to and say, yep, this is my income and here's where it goes. Uh, you have to attend two private financial credit counseling sessions, one-on-one -on -one sessions, not a group session, really focused on your situation where we're going to talk to you about rebuilding your credit, setting that budget, life after the bankruptcy is done. And then a couple other little things like giving the tax documents when it's time to file taxes, you know, answering the phone, if the trustee calls, asking questions about a certain thing on your budget, but relatively straightforward. The big difference if it's not a first bankruptcy is that a second bankruptcy takes longer to complete, uh, costs you a little bit more, uh, and it is on your credit for a longer period of time. So a lot of folks, they do find a second bankruptcy. It's worth seeing what the alternatives are to try to avoid it. But if you have to go through a second bankruptcy, uh, what happens is if you're considered low income, you remain in the state of bankruptcy for 24 months. If you're not considered low income, you remain in the state of bankruptcy for 36 months. Each of those scenarios are about 15 months longer than if it was a first bankruptcy. So a first bankruptcy if someone is low income is just nine months. Second bankruptcy is 24 months. Um, and then the cost of a second bankruptcy, they are increased because the duration is longer. So a first bankruptcy is normally about $2,300 uh, payable over nine months. Uh, a second bankruptcy uh, is more than double that cost. So it's usually around $7,200 uh, payable at about $300 per month. 
uh, one of the biggest factors of why people try to avoid a second bankruptcy and not just because you'll be in there for at least two or three years, but it's also the credit rating impact. It's significantly more punitive than a first time bankruptcy. After you finish a second bankruptcy, there's 14 years of credit history impact. It doesn't fall off for 14 years after it's done. So at least two to three years to complete it plus 14 years. Um, and that's significantly more than just a first time bankruptcy, which is six years of credit impact after it's done. So it's a big difference uh, doing the second time versus the first time. And the thing that you love to talk about is the consumer proposal. And uh, and I know, just because I know what this segment's all about, that that's often the best next option for a second for a second bank or not a second bankruptcy, but a second time around the block mm -hmm. to do things differently using a consumer proposal. Let's talk about that in our last couple of minutes. Yeah, exactly. So a consumer proposal is the most powerful means of consolidating your debt, reducing it down to what you can afford and helping you avoid a bankruptcy. And a lot of folks I deal with, they say, well, if this proposal thing existed 20 years ago, I wouldn't have filed a bankruptcy in the first place because this proposal was exactly what I needed. So in some cases, a proposal might even cost you less than a bankruptcy, not in every case, but in some cases, the way a proposal works is all of the debt is consolidated together. Um, you calculate uh, with the trustee, of course, how much you're actually able to to afford to repay on the debt. Sometimes it's in the range of 20 or 30% of the total amount. You don't pay anything extra above and beyond the proposal payment. Um, all the costs of administrations are included. You still receive the same great two financial counseling sessions. Um, and what's even more important for a lot of folks too, is it's over and done with on the credit report much more quickly. So a consumer proposal, and it could even be a second consumer proposal, there's not a limit on these. It only lasts for a maximum of six years from the day that you sign it or one year from when it's paid off. So if a proposal was for five years, literally a year after you're done making your payments, it's gone off your credit history like it never happened. So it's a less severe means of dealing with your debt. And for a lot of folks who filed a first time bankruptcy, they come into our office thinking that a second bankruptcy is their only option. And they're just overjoyed to find, hey, a consumer proposal can be a better way for them to move forward. Uh, and I think it's really important just to remind folks that a consumer proposal is only can only be attained through a licensed insolvency trustee. No one else can facilitate that for you. Oh, that's right. And sometimes if you start looking online, you'll see, oh, there's this government program and government debt repayment. Those don't mean anything. There are no government debt programs other than a consumer proposal. And if someone is saying you need to pay an upfront fee, you need to pay to get connected to a trustee, they are a middleman or a middle person who's just trying to take money for providing no value. Cost you nothing to meet with a trustee to figure out about this option. A trustee is the only person that can file this. So it's always in your best interest to deal directly with the trustee right from the start. Yeah. So if, if this is the time to get confidential debt advice from a non-judgmental expert who actually cares and is and is able to facilitate this for you, book your free consultation with a local Sands and Associates licensed insolvency trustee today. You can do that easily with their phone number. It's 1-800-661-3030. Or you can visit the website, sands-trustee.com, and you can make appointments seven days a week. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scollin. 
They say life and credit go on even after a debt problem. We're going to learn about credit history and scores after finishing a consumer proposal or getting out of personal bankruptcy in this segment. Lots of folks struggle with a debt problem, uh, with a debt problem, debt worry. in the long term, even permanent impact to their credit rating. And I know people pay attention to those credit ratings. But Sands and Associates President Blair Mountain explains that with the right steps and solutions, you can clear your debt and establish a good credit history. So Blair, can you start by explaining a bit about the support and solutions that a licensed insolvency trustee gives folks in helping them manage their debt? Yeah, well, one of the things about debt is if you don't take action, a debt problem doesn't resolve itself. It just continues to almost always get worse. The interest just stacks upon interest. You get more and more despondent and and depressed and feel hopeless about it. But the benefit of working with a licensed insolvency trustee is you're no longer alone. You've got someone that's going to help you face these challenges and find a way forward. You know, in simple terms, an LIT, a licensed insolvency trustee, is here to help you get out of debt. So when you deal with an LIT, you're dealing with Canada's only endorsed, regulated, and qualified debt help professional. And our job is to help people make informed decisions about their financial situation. Uh, we help with a range of needs. They might include, and not just limited to this, but uh, could be just given some general advice on what your options are for dealing with your debt or with a certain creditor. Uh, for a lot of folks, it's a quick phone call, maybe for them or for on somebody else's behalf. Uh, Maybe you're worried about some collections that's going on or some legal action that's been taken by a creditor. A trustee can give you the straight goods on what's real versus what's just a threat, what you have to pay attention to uh, versus what's not worth the paper it's printed on. And everything like that happens every day. Uh, You wouldn't believe some of the threats people get they don't need to be concerned about. Conversely, other people get sued and sometimes they don't pay attention to it until it's too late. Uh, If you're having trouble paying off your debt and you can't afford much more than the minimum payments, a trustee can show you what the legal options are to help you move forward. Uh, And if you're looking for a solution to consolidate your debt, you're finding, okay, too many payments, too many different days, too many different rates of interest, a trustee can help you consolidate, simplify your finances, and get you on a roadmap to being debt-free. Because sometimes it can feel like you make all of your minimum payments and you look at your statements and you're still looking at, you know, the 30 or 40-year plan to pay down what doesn't seem like a very high balance. Uh, What about 90% of people that see a trustee in the province of BC, what they choose to do is to file a consumer proposal where their debts are reduced sometimes down to as little as 20%, maybe 30% of the total balance. Um, That's called a consumer proposal. And we talk about that in a lot of depth on this show. Um, What's great about working with a trustee is regardless of whether you choose a bankruptcy or a proposal, your debts get frozen. The interest stops. You stop having these goalposts that are constantly moving away from you. um, And you really get a plan that's going to get you out of debt. It's that fresh start. Um, That's what really gratifies me and and my team is just knowing that from when people meet us, uh, we're able to put them on a good plan that's going to get them out from under this burden of debt uh, probably quicker than they thought they could do so. How long does it usually take for somebody uh, to be eligible to get a mortgage or a credit card after they've declared bankruptcy, Blair? 
Well, this surprises people because a lot of people, and sometimes I'll even read, you know, newspaper articles where I just want to write, you know, a, a stern letter to the editor here where people say, you know, bankruptcy has a permanent impact and don't do this. You'll never get credit again. That is just completely false. So there are no permanent impacts, no permanent barriers that are created by filing either a bankruptcy or a proposal. And in many cases, people reestablish their credit quicker than they thought they would. So what happens when you file a consumer proposal is that there's a notation put on your credit report that you filed a consumer proposal. Doesn't mean that you're untouchable and no one will give you credit, but for a period of six years after the day you signed that proposal, or three years after you paid the proposal off, whatever is shorter, so it's never more than six years, could be as short as three years if it's just a lump sum proposal. Um, that means that if someone pulls a credit report, they're going to see a consumer proposal has been filed. Uh, what we typically see is that someone even a year after finishing a consumer proposal, and sometimes even while they're in the consumer proposal, they're able to get credit without an issue. They're able to get offers of credit cards, finance a vehicle, uh, even qualify for a mortgage. So the maximum impact of a consumer proposal is six years until it drops off. But sometimes it's even shorter than that, depending on the person's payment history, depending on their income, if they're able to save some money. Um, a personal bankruptcy, which is a little more severe on your credit than a consumer proposal, it actually doesn't last that much longer. So a personal bankruptcy, most bankruptcies are finished within nine months, and they're noted on a credit report for six years after that discharge. But most people, after their bankruptcy is finished, literally within a year or two, they can have rebuilt credit. So people can be qualifying for mortgages as little as two years after the bankruptcy is complete, even though the bankruptcy is noted there still for another probably four years after. Uh, what happens is you have to put yourself in a lender's shoes. If they look at someone that's just come through a bankruptcy or a proposal, they now have no debt. If they looked at that person before the bankruptcy or a proposal, they might have had tens of thousands of dollars of debt that would have to get repaid before that lender would start to get their money back. So someone having no debt is usually a better credit risk. It's also the fact that once someone's come through a formal debt proceeding, nobody takes this lightly. So it's quite likely that if somebody is coming through and, and getting credit for the first time after a bankruptcy or a proposal, they're going to take that very seriously. They're going to really value the first bank that treated them nicely after they were done at debt restructuring, and they'll be an excellent customer, maybe a customer for life at that point. So one way to look at a bankruptcy or a proposal is that it's a reset. So it allows you to establish positive credit history once again. It clicks stop on all the bad stuff, all the missed payments, maybe the defaults that you've had in the past, and it allows you to start to move forward and put really good new stories on your credit. So again, most of the time, if people are looking towards a mortgage, it's more of a calendar of two to three years. You could be considered, if you're looking at a vehicle loan release, it's a calendar of probably one to two years you could be considered. Um, and a credit card, most of the time, it's in about a year or two after a bankruptcy or a proposal. And we talked to you in the counseling sessions about how you should start to build up to that kind of baby steps, getting a secured credit card, show some good credit history, uh, really reestablishing credit. I have nobody that calls me years later saying, I still can't get any credit. Most people are very successful in reestablishing their credit quicker than they thought. 
Okay. And Blair talked a lot about, you know, there was a lot of information in that piece that we just talked uh, about. Sands-trustee.com is, is their website. And it's just chock-a-block full of great information, easy to understand. And it's all written out for you. So you can really see the numbers if we went through them and you're going, oh, what did he say? What did he say? Super mm-hmm. good to do that. Or if you want to go ahead and make that appointment, 1-800-661-3030 to sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee anywhere in British Columbia literally anywhere, offices all over, uh, and start that process for you. And I was wondering um, if, what are some of the key things that people need to know about getting credit, especially after a consumer proposal or personal bankruptcy? And we don't have a whole lot of time Mm -hmm. for this, Blair, but I think it's important because people kind of freak out a little bit at that idea that they wouldn't have it. Yeah, we could spend an hour just talking about credit ratings in particular, but a couple things, you know, just to keep in mind is first off, the credit rating was originally designed as a measure of profitability for the banks. So it's not the case that you have, if you have great credit history, great credit score, you're in great financial shape. Um, that's not always the case. You could have a lot of debt that you'll never pay off, but you don't miss any payments. Um, conversely, you could have a bad credit score, you know, right after a bankruptcy, for example, but you're on a great platform to start to build from there. So the important thing to know is that there's two two credit bureaus in Canada. There's Equifax and TransUnion. I recommend that everybody check their credit at least once a year. You can do this for free. You don't have to sign up to any monthly monitoring services. You can go to their website, either get it online or through the mail. You want to make sure it's accurate, but you also want to understand no matter where your credit is now, it's temporary. People can go from a bankruptcy to mortgage in as little as two years. So you can rebuild anything that's difficult on your credit with the right right steps, the right habits. It's, um, you can rehabilitate a very bad credit rating very quickly. Excellent. And again, I want to mention the website. It's sands-trustee.com. The phone number is 1-800-661-3030. And uh, the opportunity to sit down with somebody and really discuss your own personal financial situation and your debt situation and see the things that you can do, the possibilities that are there. This is uh, the, That's the phone number and the website to check that out and to start that process. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. Just one of the many, many benefits of working with a licensed insolvency trustee, especially at Sands & Associates, is the support you get. And in this segment, we're going to talk about what that one-on-one counseling session looks like with the qualified insolvency counselor. Uh, financial literacy, credit counseling resources are all part of working with a licensed insolvency trustee. And Blair's going to take us through that financial counseling process. So Blair, first of all, can you outline why financial counseling happens when working with a licensed insolvency trustee at SANS? Well, sure, Elaine. So financial counseling, it's an integral part of the solutions a trustee has to offer. So there are two main ways that we help people get out of debt. Of course, there's informal advice and some coaching, but to really reduce and eliminate debt, uh, we help them file either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. And it's enshrined in the laws that govern both of these resources um, that you have to attend two financial one-on-one, sorry, two one-on-one financial counseling sessions. And I say have to, but for most people, this is just a huge benefit and of all the things people call me about years later saying they had you know a really um, good experience with the firm most people really mentioned that the counseling stands out as something that really put them on a good path 
gave them some good tools, techniques, best practices, even the chance to just have some really in-depth discussions with a qualified counselor. So what happens before you can complete a consumer proposal or before you can exit personal bankruptcy you have to meet with the counselor at least two times, and the idea is the counseling is intended to help you boost your financial literacy, give you some confidence in your ability to manage your personal finances, and give some tools and resources for ongoing future success. And the person that you're meeting with, uh, they're what's called a qualified insolvency counselor. So not just anybody can can undertake this counseling. Uh, it's someone who has to successfully complete a practical course for this unique type of counseling. It's a defined course of study. Um, they have to be registered by the licensed insolvency trustee in charge of the file. And that trustee has to attest and sign off that this counselor has the necessary training, experience, knowledge, skills, and competencies to lead really good insolvency counseling sessions. They have to keep up to date. They have to complete ongoing professional training at least every two years. There's some requirements. Uh, and they have to demonstrate they're of good character. They're going to be able to support people, help them get through what can be a very difficult time in their lives. Um, a couple things that they can't do, uh, a counselor can't have any sort of an incompatible occupation. So it can't be a lender that's going to push you into a certain way. Uh, it can't be someone who offers their own credit counseling services. Uh, they can't accept any separate uh, compensation or remuneration from the client. It has to really be seen as above board, as highly ethical as something that's really a good means of getting somebody back on track. Um, as part of the counseling sessions as well, the government's invested a lot in these programs. There's even some optional self-directed online learning modules that a lot of people opt to complete before the first counseling session. And that just allows them to have even more of an in-depth discussion with the counselor when they meet them. So great. You know, I'm, I'm not surprised that there's some very clear uh, guidelines and rules that that must be followed for that one-on-one -on -one counseling, both by the person who's participating and the people who are doing it. But I love the fact that there are, that you're, you're going to get the best of the best when it's, when you sit down with somebody to get that really, really super sensitive counseling. And if you already know that this is something that you need to pursue and want to pursue and and that counseling is a part of that, I'll give you the SANS number. It's 1-800-661-3030. And that's for offices all over British Columbia. So Blair, can you give us sort of a bit of a thumbnail of what the topics typically are covered in that first credit counseling session so folks know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the first session, it usually takes place shortly after you filed your consumer proposal or, or declared bankruptcy. So somewhere between 10 to 90 days after you've signed those documents, it can be done in person or remotely via video conferencing, which is quite a bit more common these days, video conferencing. The main focus of the first counseling session is all about budgets. So the goal is you'll be able to come away from the session with some information and some good support to create and maintain a functional household budget that's realistic to your personal situation. So not everybody gets into trouble because they failed to budget, but having a balanced budget is a really important financial tool and everybody should have one. Uh, what we find too is, you know, no two situations are the same, but just about everybody that meets with us, they were really struggling with their budget before they made a filing because they were paying all of their money on debt payments or interest or things like that. 
Now we've eliminated all those debt payments, probably their proposal or bankruptcy payment is significantly lower. So there can be a real chance here, a real opportunity to set up a good household budget that allows for some savings, allows you to put away an emergency fund, um, making a plan for record keeping of how you're going to manage your spending going forward. Uh, If you wait too long to put a budget in place, you know, um, things happen either by default or by design. And if you fail to design a good budget, you might default into some bad habits uh, and you might not really get that great rehabilitation that you want coming through a bankruptcy or a proposal. So the first session, all really about budgets. How do you build one? How do you monitor it? How do you make it realistic for your situation? And having it so early on in the process, that's really the right time because you can make a big change as soon as you've signed the documents. Yeah, I agree. I, that, I, that's wonderful that they do it so quickly or, or right off the bat, so to speak. Uh, what about the second session? How, what, is that, what does that entail? Well, the second session is all about the future. So it's talking about your future planning and giving you the support that you need to move forward. Um, so the council is going to check in and see how you're doing with your with your proceedings, see how your budget is going. But then we're really going to switch and talk about financial goals. So I always say that getting out of debt, it's, it's a means to an end. So you want to get out of debt using a bankruptcy or a proposal. But there's got to be some goal in mind there. So we'll talk to you about why and how you set what we call SMART goals. And you may have heard this before, but it's a it's a kind of cute acronym. It's specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound goals. So the counselor is going to sit down and say, well, let's talk about some short-term goals over the next year. What are the financial things you'd like to achieve? Some medium-term goals over the next you know, one to five years, where do you want to be? And then some long-term goals. And for a lot of people, the long-term goal, it might be 10 years out, but they really want to start saving for a down payment or eventually have their credit rating you know, so rebuilt they could qualify for a mortgage with no problem. So we're going to talk to you about financial goals. Um, talk to you about things that can derail you from achieving your goals, things like some spending habits, um, how do you use and manage credit as a tool, so what are some best practices for using credit right, because not all credit is bad, um, and sometimes credit can be very helpful in a situation, but if it gets in control of you, you know, that that can be the real problem, which most people know, um, and then we're going to go into a good amount of detail, and everybody is interested in this, about understanding your credit score and your credit report. So how do you check your credit history? Um, What should you do after you complete your proceeding to make sure everything is accurate? And how do you take those steps to really build that credit history and credit report back up? And it can happen much more quickly than you ever thought. Usually within about a couple years after your proceeding, you could have your credit rebuilt and we put you on a roadmap to get there. Awesome. So Blair, for somebody who's listening to this, how can, how can they find out more about your debt help services and, and get advice from an LIT in the SANS and Associates operation uh, to look at options to deal with their debt situation? It's never been easier to connect with a trustee. So we serve all of BC at Sands and Associates. All you need to do is reach out. You can do it online at sands-trustee.com or you can give us a call anywhere in the province at 310-0911. And what happens is we'll start with an initial conversation. Nothing formal. It's all confidential. You're not going to be charged any fees and you don't need any referral. You don't need anybody to say, okay, you deserve to see a trustee. Everybody deserves to have a free financial uh, focused conversation, all worried, all talk, sorry, all concerned about helping you get a fresh start with your debt. Um, you don't have to be in an urgent or critical situation where you're getting tons of collection calls or maybe you're being sued. Some of our clients are, but for a lot of folks, they just realize, hey, I'm just treading water. I'm just making minimum payments. They reach out for help and they sit down with a trustee and they're just so much better for doing so. 
Yeah, so if you know it's time, it is time to connect with a local debt expert who cares. Book your free confidential debt consultation at Sands & Associates. The 1-800 number is 661-3030, or you can visit the website sands-trustee.com. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.